0: So the first reading is from 2 Peter. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We have also we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit.
1: 1 Samuel 1. There was a certain man from Ramathathim, a Zephite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Ehu, the son of Toho, the son of Zoph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hopni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she had made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. I've asked of him. She said, may your servant find favour in your eyes. Then she went all her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant And gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, "'Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, "'I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. "'I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him.' So now I will give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honour. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants. But the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. This
2: is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Scott. Love to see you. We are week two of a four part series looking at uh, men and women of faith. So, we're going to spend four weeks looking at people in the Bible, uh, looking at how they related to God, learn from them, be challenged by them. Uh, That does mean that I will preach 1 Samuel a bit differently tonight. So, if I was preaching through the book of 1 Samuel, I'd preach quite a different sermon. So please don't send me an email tomorrow saying, Paul, have you heard of biblical theology? I've heard of biblical theology. I've deliberately chosen to do a character sermon tonight. So 1 Samuel is there to teach us that that God raises a son called Samuel, a prophet, a priest. He's a forerunner to Jesus. We're supposed to see parallels between Samuel and Jesus. But but tonight I want us to focus on Hannah. I want to sit at the feet of Hannah and to, to learn from this amazing woman. I've called this sermon, uh, Hannah, the Great Woman of Prayer. Do you know that as a Christian that you have the privilege of praying? Isn't that the most extraordinary privilege that you have? The God who made you, the God who made this universe, he he wants you, he longs for you, he lets you talk to him in prayer. All, All over Australia this week, people have been praying, haven't they? they've been praying for the weather. And they're praying as though there's, there's just a vague hope there might be somebody out there who has some influence over the weather. But we as Christians, we know who that is, don't we? If you're here tonight and you love Jesus, it's because, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because his blood was shed for you, you have direct access to God. You can walk into the throne room of heaven and talk to your God. It's the most amazing privilege prayer. And we can pray, we should pray, we do pray, but let 's be honest, we struggle to pray don 't we am i only Am I the only person in the room tonight who who struggles to pray so when it comes to a, a topic on prayer, you know, I could preach a great sort of motivational sermon on self discipline and uh, making a priority to pray in your week and but we'd just leave here just feeling a bit more guilty, wouldn't we? I could preach on great men like Spurgeon and Luther and Wesley who, who got up at 5 o'clock every morning and prayed for a minimum of two hours every single day, but then we just leave here more despondent. I could talk about Jesus, how he regularly spent time with God, and he did it, so we ought to do it, and, but we're just feel inadequate because we're not the Son of God. Uh, with a topic like prayer, you, just, you can press all the right buttons and make you leave here feeling guilty. What I want to do tonight is just sit at the feet of Hannah. Her name means grace. And she does model grace in the way that she prays. Who she prays to, why she prayed, how she prayed. Let's meet her. Her husband's called Elkanah. He has two wives. One's called Hannah and one is called Panina and hannah had almost everything a, a woman of that time could want she had a house she had a home she had a husband she had some money she had some love but there's one thing that hannah doesn't have one thing she longs to have what is that a child she's childless she is barren and she's not the first childless woman in the bible is she you read Genesis, there was Sarah, then there's Rebecca, and then there was Rachel. And I'm sure that Hannah had heard all these amazing stories about how, how, how God had powerfully opened the womb of these barren women and given them the child that they longed for. But here's a little secret for you. When you're hurting, when you're in pain, hearing stories about how God has blessed other people sometimes doesn't bring you much comfort. Do you know that? She's still hurting, she's still longing, she's still desperate for that child. She's a woman who is in deep pain, deep anguish, deep sorrow, deep despair. And that might describe some of you here tonight. I know there are people in this church who who long for children. Some of us here are, are, have never been married and we're still longing for children. Some of us here are divorced and we've had that, that dream of kids just shattered. Some of us here are married and are living with that, that monthly cycle of hope and hope and despair and despair and hope and disappointment and hope and disappointment and I, I know you're hurt, I know you're pain. Some of us here will get Hannah in a very personal way tonight. And Hannah's misery was inflamed by this dreadful other woman called Penina. The thing about the other wife is that she is, she's overly fertile. And she just sneezes and she falls pregnant. Let's, let's read the story, verse 3. Year after year, Elkanah went up to his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. So Elkanah takes his family to a small country town in the hill country with a small stone temple. To worship God, but look at the title used for God in verse three. It's fascinating. It's the first time this title is used for God in the Bible. The Lord Almighty, the Lord of Hosts, literally the the All Powerful God who rules the whole world. That's who they're going to worship. The problems there in verse four. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he'd give portions of the meat to his wife Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her. Literally, but the Lord had closed her womb. Interesting phrase, the Lord had closed her womb. There's no pointing the finger at Hannah, there's no blaming Hannah. It's the Lord who closed her womb. And then the conflict starts in verse 6. Because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival Penina kept provoking her to irritate her. And this went on for year after year. Whenever Hannah went up, her rival provoked her till she wept and wouldn't eat. You're supposed to imagine these family meals, and and Panina's there with all her sons and all her daughters, and it's at meal time, and, and Panina's there saying, I've lost count of how many children I've got. I've just got so many kids. But Hannah, you haven't got a kid, have you? And the kid's saying, doesn't Hannah want a baby? Oh, Hannah would love to have a child, but you can't have babies, can you, Hannah? Doesn't Daddy want a child with Hannah? Oh, Daddy would love a baby with Hannah, but you can't have kids, can you, Hannah? She's just this nasty, manipulating, heartless woman who winds up Hannah until Hannah is sobbing and at breaking point. And then her husband speaks. And as usual, Men say the stupidest things sometimes. Look at verse 8. Hannah, why are you weeping? What a ridiculous question that is. Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? He's saying, Baby, you've got me. What more could you want? It's not a good thing to say, blokes. She's hurting. She's in pain. Verse 9, once they'd finished eating and drinking, Hannah stood up. She got out of there and Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. And I love verse 10, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. That's the situation. Hannah is a woman in distress, in anguish, in despair. She's hurting, she's helpless, she's hopeless, she's lonely, her heart is breaking. And where does she go to? Who does she go to? She runs to God in prayer. That's the main point. Just run to God in prayer. Take your hurts, take your despairs, take them to the Lord in prayer. Remember you know the old hymn What a Fame You've Got in Jesus? Are you weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Saviour, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. See, her pain, her sadness, her disappointment, her grief, those things don't drive her away from God, do they? They drive her to God. She doesn't sulk and say, God, you don't care. God, you don't answer my prayer. She runs straight to her God. It's that single-minded tunnel vision. She doesn't even see Eli. She just throws herself before the Lord in prayer. I mean, where else could she go to? Who else can she go to but God? And friends, some of us here need to hear that very simple lesson tonight. In your hurt, stop running away from God and run to God. In your despair, stop blaming God and run to God. In your desperation, stop ignoring God and run to God. Stop trying to find your security or your help in in all the stuff that we run to like do more exercise, have more friends, work harder, go to a therapist as so though those things are going to help you. Stop that self-confidence, self-sufficient, self-righteous like, "I can solve this problem. You can't run to God." And some of us here need to hear that very simple lesson, because we just don't pray. We do anything but pray, we, we look for help anywhere but God. And you know, sometimes God needs to break you. Sometimes God needs to humble you and bring you to your wit's end and utterly desperate before we are, we learn a lesson and we just throw ourselves on God. Someone has said, when we're humble enough to say to God, Lord, I've come to the end of all my resources. God says, Good. Because I've just come to the beginning of mine. Run to God in prayer. What what kind of prayers did Hannah pray? Look at verse 10 again. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. She prays authentic prayers, doesn't she? She prays real prayers, she prays with tears. In verse 15, she's described as deeply troubled. In verse 16, she's a woman of great anguish, a woman of great grief. You're supposed to imagine this this woman who is, she's battered, she's broken, she's helpless, she's hopeless, she's grieving, she's hurting, she's in despair. And what I love about Hannah is she doesn't try and hide it from God, does she? She doesn't try and pretend with God, she doesn't try and perform for God, She's willing just to sit and I just imagine her in the temple and she's literally just tears rolling down her cheek and she is sobbing before the Lord. And you know, sometimes that's all we can do, isn't it? Sometimes you're hurting so badly and you are so broken, all you can do is collapse before God and just, just cry. And tears are a form of prayer. Did you know that? Psalm 6, verse 8, the Lord has heard my weeping. Hannah doesn't pretend with God. She doesn't feel she needs to compose herself before she can pray. She just sits and weeps before God. Because our God is like that. He wants us to do that. He encourages us to do that. Pour out your grief. Pour out your hurt. Pour out your despair. You know, Other people, other human beings, they're kind of weirded out when we, we start crying before them, aren't they? <laughs> But God's not. God can handle a few of your tears. She prays authentic prayers. She prays confident, bold prayers. Look, she prays in verse 11. She made a vow, a Nazarite vow, saying, Lord Almighty. There's that title again. Lord of hosts. See, she knows who she's praying to. She is praying to the God who is all-powerful, the God who is all-strong, and the God who is able, the God who is good, the God who is ruler. That changes the way that she prays. Lord Almighty, and look how bold she is. If you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son then I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Now think about it. Why would the, the God of heaven who rules the whole earth, why would he bother to listen to, to a little peasant country woman? Why would God bother to listen to her? Because he loves her. And, and, and the language that, that Hannah uses is, It's so bold. It's actually the language of Exodus chapter 3 where God's people plead with God, look on your servant's misery and remember us, they say. And Hannah takes that language and says, just as you did for your people, just as you did for the nation of Israel, would you do that for me? Would you remember me? She's bold enough to believe that the God of this universe hears her prayers. So how can you and I pray with such confidence? Hebrews chapter 4. What does that say? Hebrews chapter 4. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. Why? Because of our great high high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has gone through the curtain. She prayed persistent prayers, heartfelt prayers. Verse 12. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth and she was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. It's just Hannah and her God. Hannah's not the kind of person, the kind of Christian who only prays when other people are around so that other people can hear her and say, oh, you're such a great prayer, Hannah. Hannah's not praying because she wants to pat on the back from other people or the, the evangelical mmm, that's a great prayer. She's just pouring out her heart to God, just her and God. And Eli gets it wrong, doesn't he, in verse 13 and 14. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Do you spot the irony here? Eli's got two sons, they're called Hophni and Phinehas and his two sons are always drunk they're always on the booze but he never bothers to discipline them but he rebukes a woman who's praying hannah replies in verse 15 not so i'm not i'm a woman who's deeply troubled i'm not drunk on wine i'm not drunk on beer i'm i'm drunk on the holy spirit i'm i'm pouring out my soul to the lord i'm lost in prayer if you want and she's in this place with god you know where where everything around you kind of disappears and everybody disappears. It's just you and God and you're pouring out your soul to him and you're just sitting before him and you're interceding and you're pleading and you're petitioning your God. It's a beautiful place to be. But of course we're too busy for that, aren't we? We've got a long list of things to do and people to see and we've got the world to change that we haven't got time just to sit with God and pour out our soul to him it's a beautiful phrase in verse 16 as well do not take your servant for literally a, a daughter of worthlessness don't take your servant for a daughter of worthlessness I'm not worthless I'm a daughter of God I'm a son of God and Eli blesses her in verse 17. And, and look at verse 18. Hannah says, May your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast because she prays prayers that transform her, transforming prayers. Do you see that the Hannah who went in to pray is very different to the Hannah who came out of the prayer. She went in deep anguish and she returned no longer downcast. She went in despair, but when she came out of the temple, she's no longer downcast. Now think about it. What's changed for Hannah? What has changed for Hannah? Nothing has changed, has it? Outwardly, her circumstances are exactly the same. She's still childless. Penny is still there to taunt her. She doesn't know if God will give her the son she's asked for, but she comes out of this prayer session a different woman. And that's what prayer does, you know. That's the promise that God offers you. Philippians 4. If you know your Bibles, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now what's the promise? And And the peace of God. The peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds. That's what God promises you, his peace. He promises to hear, to listen, to be good, to be kind. But oh what peace we often forfeit and oh what needless pain we bear because we don't carry everything to God in prayer. And how does a changed woman Verse 19, she worships the Lord, and verse 19, she's intimate with her husband, and verse 19, the Lord remembered her. He answered the prayer. She prayed, Lord, remember me, and he did remember her. And in this situation, he remembered her by giving her the son that she longed for, and she called him Samuel, a good name for a child. There are many many wrong ways to apply this passage, aren't there? please don't walk out of church tonight and think, you know, if I am broken enough before God, then he'll give me what I ask for. Please don't think, you know, if I, if I cry enough tears before God, I can somehow twist God's arm to give him what I really, 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 really want. That's not what the Bible says. You know that God doesn't promise to give you everything that you want or everything you ask for. He, he could do. He's able to do that. And you can't twist his arm by praying more or praying with more tears. God doesn't promise to give you everything that we want, but he does promise to see us, care for us, carry us, soothe our souls, lift our burdens, change us, and give us what we need. And again, I'm aware there are many godly men and godly women here who have prayed and prayed and prayed for that child, and you haven't received it. And your heart is aching badly. But just because God hasn't answered that prayer doesn't mean that God is not able or God doesn't care for you or God has abandoned you. He knows your pain. He sees your hurt. So why bother praying? Why bother praying? Because it will change you. It will transform you. In the midst of your pain, you'll get the peace of God. In the midst of your sorrow, you have security in Jesus. In the midst of your tears, you, you have a deep trust. In the midst of your despair, you find delight in Jesus. And then Hannah does the most amazing thing, doesn't she? She feeds him, Samuel. She bathes Samuel. She changes Samuel. She has the bond of intimacy for three years And then when he's about three, what does she do? She takes him to the temple and she hands the child over to the Lord. And again, please don't misapply this passage. You know, pray for the child that you want and God answers your prayer and gives you the baby. Then when he's three, you bring him to church by the bridge and leave him with the ministry team to raise him here at church. That's not what he's saying. So, so how do you apply this passage? One application is this you know, whenever God. Gives you what you ask for. Make sure you use it for his glory. Whenever God gives you what you ask for, make sure you use it for his glory. If you're here tonight and you've been praying for good health because you've been sick, and God has restored your health, make sure you use your restored health to serve the Lord. If you are here tonight and you've prayed for a husband, you've prayed for a wife, you've prayed for a child that you long for, and if God kindly answers that prayer, please don't do what most people do and make marriage an idol and make family an idol and withdraw from everything. Use your marriage, use your kids to serve the Lord. If you are blessed with kids, what, what do you pray for for your kids? You don't hand them over to the temple, but surely you hand them over to the Lord, and you say, Lord, please make this child a believer. Don't just long for success for your child, but they would serve Jesus all their days. The other thing to learn from Hannah is that when God does answer your prayer, what do you do? You give all the glory back to Him. You praise Him with your prayer life. We haven't got time to look at chapter 2. It's an amazing chapter. Hannah prayed, and literally the word is, she sang. I love the idea of singing your prayers. Hannah prayed, and she sang. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn or my strength is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies. I delight. There's no one holy like you, Lord. There's no one beside you. There's no rock like you. Do you ever do that with your prayer life? Do you ever spend time just thanking God and praising him? Or is it always just, please, 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 give me, give me, give me? I do long to meet Hannah. She runs to God. She's authentic. She's confident. She's persistent. She transforms. She praises God. So what am I asking you to do tonight? What do you think I'm asking you to do tonight? Please don't leave church tonight and say, oh, I heard a sermon on prayer. Please don't write notes in a book and then go with, oh, it was an okay sermon on prayer. What am I asking you to do? To pray. Just find that space, find that place where you can just sit with your God and pour out your heart to Him, pour out your soul to Him. Just before Christmas, we were doing a cleanup at church, and somebody wanted to throw out a piece of old ecclesiastical furniture, and I grabbed it. It's called a prayer desk, it's a wooden desk with a kneeler. It's in my office right now. And just that, that posture of humbling yourself before God. And when you're hurting, and when you're, you're in pain, you just sit, and you just kneel before the Lord, and you just pour out your heart to Him, and pour out your soul to Him, because He loves you, And he died for you. And he hears you. It's the most beautiful gift you've got. Just talking to your God in prayer. Just do it. Let me leave you tonight by reading the words of a hymn. It's by John Newton. He wrote Amazing Grace. You know, he wrote a poem or a hymn almost every day of his converted life. It's called When Hannah. When Hannah... Fest with grief, poured forth her soul in prayer. She quickly found relief and left her burden there. Like her, in every trying case, let us approach the throne of grace. When she began to pray, her heart was pained and sad, but ere she went away, was comforted and glad. In trouble, what a resting place have they who know the throne of grace. Though men and devils rage and threaten to devour, the saints from age to age are safe from all their power. Fresh strength they gain to run their race by waiting at the throne of grace. She was not filled with wine, as Eli rashly thought, but with a faith divine and found the help she sought. Though men despise and call us base, still let us ply the throne of grace." Numbers before have tried and found the promise true, nor one been yet denied, then why should I or you? Let us by faith their footsteps trace and hasten to the throne of grace. As fogs obscure the light and taint the morning air, but sooner put to flight if the bright sun appear, thus Jesus will our troubles chase by shining from the throne of grace. Let me pray. Lord God, Lord Almighty, God of hosts, ruler of the universe, our creator, our sustainer, our redeemer, our friend, our Lord, our maker, our master, we bow before you tonight in humble adoration, in utter desperation. Lord you know the the needs the hurts the aches the sorrows the pain the despairs the disappointments of every person in this place tonight help us to be people who pour out our souls please Lord a precious time with you in Jesus name